SoulStartups.com is an English-speaking community for workers in Korea. Designers, developers, and entrepreneurs share and discuss ideas, work, culture, startups, language, and integration to the market and life in the ROK. Networking in Korea when you don't speak the local language fluently can be hard. Soul Startups wants to bring the currently fragmented community into one place where people can ask for help and advice and learn and make connections that will help them succeed in their career in Korea. Join today at soulstartups.com. Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. KoreaFM.net. Jason Struther is a soul-based reporter. Uh, I've spoken with him in the past. We've met quite a few times in our dealings in Seoul. And recently for the BBC, he wrote an article entitled Soul Power, Asia's Unlikely Expat Haven that continues on. While not an obvious choice for the jet-setting expat, South Korea's high-energy capital has a lot to offer foreign professionals. And Jason, first off, just thank you so much for writing this. Uh, I'm originally from a rural town in Iowa, and it's basically been the better part of the last three to four years of me trying to explain to people why I live in Seoul, uh, in in South Korea in general, and then something like this makes it a little bit easier. Um, First off, why did you want to write something like this? Obviously, you've spent a lot of time in South Korea, but you're a bit of a jet setter. You've gone around quite a lot yourself. Uh, I I also have lived abroad quite a few different places. Uh, What made you decide to kind of highlight Seoul as sort of like a hidden gem? Well, first of all, Chance, uh, yeah, great to be back on the show. Good to hear from you again. It's been a while since we've uh, seen each other face to face. Um, Seoul is uh, overlooked often uh, in terms of an expat hub. You know, many Western expats, at least, consider Hong Kong, Singapore, Tokyo, now even Shanghai as a place to move to. Uh, and Seoul is kind of uh, underappreciated in that sense. Uh, but to be perfectly honest with you, I was approached by the BBC website, uh, this branch on the on the site called BBC Capital, to write this expat guide. Uh, they have covered other cities in Asia, including Hong Kong and Singapore and some European cities, uh, but there was nothing on there from Korea. Uh, So the editor at BBC Capital asked me if I would be interested in writing the Seoul expat guide. So about 1,200, 1,300 words later, there it was. That's such a great story. You mentioned all the other cities that often get thought of as a great place for expats, and they had all those stories, and then they're like, let's finally get to Seoul. So... uh, (laughs) I guess those of us who know Seoul are are happy with with its kind of hidden gem status, but now we'll kind of get the news out there to everyone else. Let's just kind of um, paint the picture of Seoul for someone who might not be that familiar with it. You're right that it's home to about 10 million people, but of course the metropolitan area of Seoul is much larger than that. And it continues to be the political, economic, and cultural center of modern South Korea. That's really important. I mean, how important is Seoul to South Korea? In my mind, it kind of is South Korea. I I think you're right, Chance. And I think a lot of, uh, especially expats who come here, uh, their view of South Korea, for better or worse, is completely framed in the context of life in Seoul. Uh, There is something unique about this country of about 50 million uh, with, you know, 
close to half of those people, inhabitants living around the capital is that everything happens here. All roads lead to Seoul, both figuratively and literally. If you've ever tried to get back to the city from the countryside, there's pretty much a bus or highway that will drop you right back off in the capital. Not so for other cities. Uh, and, you know, I think that has manifested with maybe too much political and economic power happening in this one single city. And there have been moves by the government to relocate uh, official agencies around the country. Of course, uh, a few years ago, Sejong City, an administrative capital was opened to try to lessen the burden on the soul, but the city still remains to be the, the magnet that draws people from around the country as well as overseas to Korea. Yeah, and in addition to that, it seems like every year, at least a couple times a year, there are these articles that talk about people leaving Seoul. I've even interviewed, um, you know, quote unquote, digital nomads, people that lived in the city and they decided to move to beautiful Jeju Island or yeah. to Latin America yeah. and just kind of quit their job at Samsung or another large company and, and uh, kind of have a very different lifestyle or even move to the countryside, even like a 20 year old something or a young 30 year old and, and start farming. So there are definitely people that are trying to escape the wonderful world of Seoul that we're talking about now. Um, something that you mentioned early on in the article was that up into the early 2000s, the local expat community was basically U.S. military personnel and a motley crew of English language teachers. Um, both of those groups still exist in Seoul, but it's changing a little bit. It is. Well, I mean, for starters, the U.S. military, which has had a huge, sprawling base right in the center of the capital, the Yongsan garrison, that's been here. The, at least the American forces have occupied that since the early 1950s. The base's history goes back much further than that. That base is moving. Uh, the pullout uh, has begun. American military personnel have been relocated uh, south of the capital in the, in the city of Pyeongtaek at Camp Humphreys. Uh, and more, the, the next wave of American uh, military personnel are slated to uh, start pulling out this summer. It's going to be a gradual relocation, and the base is going to be turned into a park, uh, or so the plan goes. Uh, and of course, uh, aside from the U.S. military, uh, the education industry, especially English language education, continues to be the top employer for expats in South Korea and in Seoul. But even that has seen cuts in recent years. Many uh, public schools in Seoul have ended their native English teacher program. So, you know, your expats from Canada, Australia, the U.S., England, uh, have not been able to find jobs in public schools, although there are still plenty of hagwons, the private academies that employ native-speaking teachers. Although I, I do sense the the craze, the English language craze that gripped Korea, you know, let's say at its height several years ago, 10 years ago, I do feel that's kind of waning. But, uh, you know, something that I've seen in the 10 years that I've lived in Korea is that expats are finding more white-collar jobs. So in the past, when I first came here, if I was out at a restaurant or a bar, if I bumped into another Western expat, yeah, they were probably an English teacher or maybe in the U.S. military. But these days, they're working at Samsung, at Hyundai. They're working at PR firms. It's a much more diversified expat group now than it was you know, just a decade ago. Along the same topic, let's talk about something that people uh, might not realize if they haven't lived abroad and perhaps not if they've never lived in South Korea. But if you come here as an expat, you're pretty much 
really tied to the company. They have to sponsor you for a visa. However, if you're an ethnic Korean, so your parents, your grandparents uh, came from South Korea and moved to another country, or if you were adopted, I have plenty of adopted friends who have come back to South Korea for one reason or another, they are kind of in a special status. They get what's called an F visa, which is very valuable for work. That's right. Uh, there is no freelance visa in South Korea. I know, uh, for instance, a friend of mine had moved to Germany recently, and she was able to obtain a freelancer visa, which allowed her to pretty much work in whatever industry she wanted to uh, in Germany and perhaps in, in more so across the European Union. Um, however, in Korea, right, if you come here as, a, as an expat and you have no biological connection to the Korean peninsula, you are pretty much tied to the company that sponsors your visa. Now, of course, some students can get part-time jobs, uh, but that's limited. Uh, you... As a as a non-Korean foreigner, the best you could do in terms of being in control of your own visa is stay here long enough, pass a uh, cultural uh, immersion test. Uh, you have to prove your language speaking skills and have some other uh, boxes that need to be checked in order to get an F-series visa, a, a temporary residence visa. And uh, then you can do what you want. But as you mentioned, Chance, uh, Kyopos or overseas Koreans, either from Japan, the U.S., mostly developed countries, they can receive an F-series visa just by proving that they were either born on the peninsula or they had direct family that were born in South Korea. So, you know, post-1948. Yeah, and another quick fix for uh, foreigners living in South Korea is often marrying a, a Korean national. Uh, my girlfriend for several years is, is South Korean. And I've actually been told by employers, why don't you just go ahead and get married? Because it makes it a little bit easier for them because then they don't have to sponsor my visa. But that's another story. Come on, Chance. Man up and make an honest woman out. Man up. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I've, I can't tell you how many times I've been told just to marry my girlfriend and then all my uh, visa issues would go away, which is actually true. Fair enough. Um, let's get a little bit uh, more into the discussion of what life is just like living in South Korea, or rather in Seoul, which is, as we've just mentioned, kind of uh, the city of South Korea in itself. I've lived in Berlin. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Columbia. I've lived in New York and L.A. I've never lived somewhere that was more of a 24-hour city than, than Seoul um, with more conveniences that are offered at every hour of the day. South Korea is a very convenient country, and Seoul is an amazingly uh, efficient city to live in, uh, whether it be the, its transportation network, uh, the availability of uh, eating or drinking or whatever other establishments throughout the night there they are there. And for the expat, there has been a, a a real push by the Seoul city government to make life, the transition to life in Korea as easy as possible. You have the Seoul Global Center that is kind of a one-stop shop for all the needs of expats in Korea. They offer real estate advice, legal advice, psychiatric services for those of us who need that. Uh, so life in, in Seoul, you know, I think it had been considered kind of a hardship post for quite a while, but really over the past several years, I think Korea wants Western talent, expat talent to come here. Uh, and they're making it as easy as possible for expats to move in here. 
as I just mentioned, I, I've lived in uh, Germany. I was in Berlin for almost an entire year uh, on a fellowship. And I thought Berlin, I thought Germany had great public transportation until I moved to South Korea. I mean, it's just absurd the the options that are available to you. I mean, um, if I'm taking a train or a bus somewhere, usually I have the options for both. And truthfully, lately, I like taking the bus because there's a USB charger right in front of me. Yeah, right. I, the, I mean, public transportation is very important to me. Uh, you know, I, I before coming to Seoul, I had lived in both Brussels and New York City, and which had, you know, has good public transportation networks, too. But of course, Sometimes in New York, you're fighting for a seat on the subway with a rat. So uh, that's one thing that's really nice about the system here in Seoul. It's very clean. It's very efficient. Does not run 24 hours a day like it does in New York. Yeah, unfortunately. But taxis are quite cheap, too. So if you are out past your bedtime, uh, you can easily get around the city. Uh, And it's also a very safe city. You can leave your laptop on the table at the cafe and and go to the restroom. And when you come back, it will be there. Now, of course, uh, I say Seoul is a safe city. Of course, one needs to exercise caution, realistic caution like they would in any city. Uh, But overall, you know, you can be out walking on the Han River uh, at two in the morning and most likely no one's going to bother you. Continuing this topic kind of of daily life, you write that South Korea and its capital might not seem like an obvious choice for the jet-setting expat, and then along that line of thinking, the quality of life isn't that high according to some of the rankings, and it's the sixth most expensive city in the world. So if you come to Seoul and you live a certain lifestyle, it might be expensive. Um, the quality of life isn't, as we just mentioned, the same as some other cities according to these rankings, but those rankings are always, you know, have, have their ways about them. So uh, what's the way to adapt to life in the city? I mean, you can spend thousands of dollars on an apartment or you can get an apartment for around like $400 a month. Right. Well, I think that particular survey from The Economist about the cost of living, that's benchmarked on certain Western expectations of lifestyle, the ease at which you can get Western products, uh, even perhaps a a live-in maid, as many expats have in Hong Kong or Singapore, uh, where here in Seoul, right, that's not going to be as as available or as as cheap. But Seoul, if you do live on the local economy, if you eat Korean food, if you use public transportation, uh, if you don't live in one of the big high-rise Samsung-built condos and rely on a a real estate agency that caters exclusively to expats, you can live very modestly here and, and easily save money. I mean, a Korean a meal at a very basic Korean restaurant, you're not going to pay much more than 5,000 won and have a nice full meal. You can go to a barbecue place and get you know, uh, uh, servings of marinated grilled pork for two, and you're not going to pay more than 20 bucks for that. And that includes kimchi and all the other endless side dishes that come along with almost any Korean meal. And apartments, right, depends on where you look in town. If you want to live in fancy pants Gangnam, yeah, you're going to be paying a premium for the the zip code. But if you, you know, go north of the river uh, to Kangbuk, uh, which is an older part of town, let's say, and, and some, let's say, less ritzy neighborhoods, yeah, you can find a place, you can find a, a, a decent space, very affordable. 
It might not be, you know, super close to the metro station. Might have to scale a steep incline to get there, but it's out there. The problem that I think a lot of expats and Koreans have, for that matter, is the deposit money. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes that can run you, you know, ten, twenty thousand uh, dollars But there are ways to get that down. You pay a little bit of more rent. You can get the deposit knocked down a bit. And I think the overall real estate trend in Seoul is to go more of a Western standard, a Western model of rent. So it's uh, rent monthly rents are getting higher and deposits are getting lower. SoulStartups.com is an English-speaking community for workers in Korea. Designers, developers, and entrepreneurs share and discuss ideas, work, culture, startups, language, and integration to the market and life in the ROK. Networking in Korea when you don't speak the local language fluently can be hard. Soul Startups wants to bring the currently fragmented community into one place where people can ask for help and advice and learn and make connections that will help them succeed in their career in Korea. Join today at soulstartups.com. Subscribe with iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you enjoy what you hear, like us on Facebook. Also, consider throwing a little cash our way by visiting patreon.com slash koreafm. And find more of our great content on our home on the web, koreafm.net. Let's hit a few, uh, if you will, kind of negative aspects of your article for the BBC, and we'll call it a, a day, Jason. Um, North Korea is obviously um, a big topic anytime you mention Seoul, anytime you mention South Korea. Unfortunately, even to this day, I will connect with old friends from where I'm from in Iowa or anywhere else that I've been, and they'll be like, oh, how's living in North Korea? Mm-hmm. No, I don't live in North Korea, but I think that's something that happens to quite a few people who come here. Um, North Korea just has such a strong hold over the news for South Korea, as you know, as a reporter who's worked on the peninsula for several years. Um, Every time, um, as you write, North Korea kind of rears its head. Um, It doesn't necessarily affect everyone on the peninsula, but a lot of the people back home who know that you're living here, they get a little bit afraid. Could you talk about that dynamic? Uh, certainly. I mean, you know, when I first came to Korea in 2002 as an exchange student, this was right after George Bush uh, announced that the regime was, you know, a member of the uh, exclusive axis of evil. And uh, I remember my mom trying to persuade me not to go to Korea uh, at that point because she perceived it as so dangerous. Of course, I didn't listen to her uh, for good reason. Um, but right North Korea continues to overshadow South Korea. And we do have to remember these countries still are technically at war, as you will read if you look at any uh, reportage about the ongoing uh, strife on the peninsula. Um, And now and then North Korea does act up. They shelled a South Korean island back in 2010. They sank a South Korean Navy ship that same year. And now and then there is a firefight that breaks out along the DMZ, which is, you know, just up the road from the South Korean capital. But um, for better or worse, most South Koreans and most long-term expats, we kind of just shrug our shoulders uh, when the rhetoric starts flying, because that's, up until this point, pretty much all it is, is rhetoric. I think what is overlooked in Western media is that the North Korean regime is much more rational than people give it credit for. I mean, I think there's a narrative that's been depicted in Team America or The Interview or some other uh, actual reportage about North Korea is that Kim Jong-un or his late father, Kim Jong-il, were crazy, that they were madmen with nuclear weapons. 
I think most people who observe and analyze North Korea for a living realize that they're not in a position to nuke Seoul or start a war because that would mean the end of their regime. And at the end of the day, that's all they want is to hang on to their own power. So, um, you know, uh, the per- can I curse on your show? The <laughs> Go for it. Shit can always hit the fan chance. Uh, and now with the... Uh, a new administration in Washington, you know, kind of all bets are off the table right now about how things are going to go. But um, Seoul is an amazingly safe city, given given its proximity to North Korea, which has thousands of uh, guns and artillery and missiles pointed at the capital. Life goes on here as normal. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a rite of passage when you come to South Korea and then the first flare up with North Korea happens and then you kind of look around and you're like, whoa, and everyone's like, calm down, calm down. It's just everyday life here. Been talking with Jason Struther, a Seoul-based reporter, recently wrote about expat life in uh, Seoul, South Korea for the BBC. Final topic I want to talk with you, Jason. Uh, as I mentioned, maybe some of the little bit negative things about living in Seoul, living in South Korea, but this one is not necessarily that. It just It's both sides of the coin. Um, you talk about making an effort to learn some of the local language. But at the same time, compared to a lot of other uh, major cities in Asia, at least in my experience and talking to other people who have traveled around more than myself, there's quite a lot of English in Seoul in South Korea generally. There is. Uh, And compared to a city like Tokyo, which has a much uh, bigger expat community and a a much more entrenched expat community than Seoul does, uh, it is much easier here in, in, in South Korea to get around only speaking English than it is in Japan. Uh, that, I'm not, uh, that's not an excuse not to learn some Korean, but the fact of the matter is many South Koreans have studied English uh, and have varying levels of fluency. Uh, menus in restaurants are often printed in English. Signage around the capital is in English. Buses, subways, they all make their announcements in English. Uh, one can get by if they have a very limited knowledge of the Korean language. But if you do want to make connections with Korean people, and if you are working in a Korean office, you really need to know some Korean. Uh, but if you want to become fluent, it's going to take years. It's going to take years. And I'm, I've been here for 10 years, and I'm certainly not anywhere close to fluent. Uh, I can get by on a day-to-day level. Um, but you would to become fluent, you would have to devote many years of uh, classroom study, self-study, language exchanges, have many Korean friends, and really put yourself out there in the Korean context. Uh, but at the same time, you will experience, especially if you are a uh, Western expat, uh, i.e. Caucasian, uh, Koreans will want to speak English to you. They're going to want to show you that they know English and that uh, they want to make it easy for you to survive here in Seoul. Uh, and that means you know, accommodating you linguistically. And that's not necessarily a good thing, especially if you're determined to improve your Korean skills. Yeah, there are so many times that I've tried to speak Korean in certain situations, and maybe I just flubbed it, it wasn't very good, or maybe they just were like, oh, I can use my English now, and then they jump straight into English, which I can appreciate. They're, you know, they're trying to help me out, but it is kind of a kick in the pants when you make the effort at times. 
Um, but like you just mentioned, studying South Korean, uh, or I guess the, the Korean language in general, there are some differences between North and South Korea, but it is basically the same language. Um, I studied at a university in Seoul for six months straight, daily four-hour classes when I first got to uh, Seoul more than three years ago. Um, I've lived in Colombia, so I can speak some Spanish. I lived in Germany, I can speak some German. I could barely form sentences after six months at a university in Seoul. It's uh, to uh, to, uh, to uh, a person who has a, an Indo-European uh, language background. Uh, Korean's not going to make any sense. The grammatical structure is different. There's no, there's no. You really have to dive in. I mean, one thing that does help here in South Korea is that Koreans have adopted many English words into everyday vocabulary. Yeah. They call it Konglish. So you can sort of, you know, feel your way around certain things, especially when it comes to food. Uh, it, it, that's not an issue. Um, you can certainly have a good experience in South Korea without becoming fluent or really even conversant in the Korean language, but you certainly will have a more enriched experience if you take some time to uh, to know the basics, uh, be able to get around on your own, not have to rely on a Korean to uh, help you deal with taxi drivers, travel outside of the city, which be- where English becomes much more scarce. Uh, and a good way of, and I and I feel uh, one pro tip for me is that if you want to practice Korean, find an old person. They don't speak English and they don't care if you don't really speak Korean. They will talk to you in Korean. So, uh, you know, oh, the geriatrics are always a good source of uh, basic Korean uh, conversational practice. And also, what an interesting conversation you can have. This, the times that I've just one way or the other, I play a lot of music or just walking into a group of friends and they introduce me to someone who's a bit older. Such a cultural divide between the younger and older South Koreans, especially older people who have lived more rurally. My girlfriend's from a more rural area. What interesting conversations await you if you can sit down and talk with uh, someone who's had some decades of experience on the Korean Peninsula. And and on, on that note, uh, Chance, you know, I, I wrap up my article kind of on the mountains uh, here in, in Seoul. And uh, the expat that I interviewed for that part about recreation, you know, as he points out, um, you know, when you are on the hiking trails, and there is plenty of that uh, all around Seoul and, and the country, Koreans don't really see you at that point as a foreigner. You're a fellow hiker, and it uh, it kind of you know blurs the line between local and expat. And uh, yeah, it's a great place to to make new friends. People invite you over to share a drink, share some food, um, and yeah, you can certainly get the Korean experience, a more authentic Korean experience, uh, when you're out on the trails. Yeah, also something you kind of learn when you get here. Hiking is not just like exercise it's drinking and it's eating sometimes yeah. you'll even take off your shoes your socks and place your feet in like a stream sure. <laughs> while you're eating or drinking yeah it's <laughs> a great time i think both you and uh, myself jason uh, we have had great experiences here in seoul in Certainly. south korea so i hope other people can experience that as well i've been speaking with jason struther he's a seoul-based reporter um, he's kind of all over asia from time to time so lots and lots of history for him not only in south korea but in the area so if he tells you something probably is going to be the case. Once again, this was an article for the BBC talking about an unlikely but definitely a true 
um, kind of expat uh, lifestyle, uh, expat haven that can be found here in Seoul and, and probably other areas of South Korea as well. Jason, thank you so much for speaking with me, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on the program again. Thanks a lot, Chance. Look forward to it. Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. Korea FM. Dot net.